0: X gon' give it to ya, he gon' give it to ya, X gon' give it to ya, he gon' give it to you, X gon' give it to ya, he gon' give it to you, X gon' give it to ya, he gon' give, 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 give it! Oh! Welcome to the Mind Meld Podcast with Dave Perry. This is the second episode that is being filmed in the, or, fi- or not filmed, specifically not filmed, only audio recorded in, in the new location. It's a very covert location that no one can know about until further notice. Um, just don't have the camera set up yet. Still in transition from uh, the studio I was in before. But uh, we did a uh, audio-only episode last week with my good buddy Ryan. And now I have the pleasure of having my best friend in the whole fucking world sitting on the couch across from me. And his name is... And you have to say this with your fingers touching your thumbs. you got to shake it like... Jimmy Guadalabene, Jimmy Guadalabene, like you lack of the sauce, you have to say it like that, and if you don't, it's an affront to his people, and he has every right to assault you. So, Jimmy, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Jimmy uh, immediately let me know that he is super self-conscious about hearing his voice, Uh, so I I would imagine this entire experience is going to be excruciating for you. It's terrible so far. (laughs) Uh, Yes, fantastic. So, a little background for the listeners. Jimmy and I have known each other since fourth grade. And uh, fourth grade is different for everyone. So for us, do you, do you know what year that was? Uh, like the calendar year? <laughs> Aztec <laughs> calendar, yes. Yeah. Uh, no. 94. The little trick with us and our friends is that the grade that we were in is reflective of the last digit of the year. So fourth grade, 94. Fifth grade, 95. You're a 36, seven-year-old man. You're just realizing that right now? Yeah. I don't know why that would have come up before, but... Because literally any single time that you try to think about a story from a previous time period, you'd be like, oh, yeah. that No, never. No. Wow. Yeah. This is why Jimmy needs me in his life. <sighs> uh, yeah, we go way back. Uh, Jimmy still, for some fucking reason, lives in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where we grew up together. You moved to Wisconsin in fourth grade, which was 1994, mm-hmm. from D.C., if I remember correctly.
1: Nope. Oh, wow. We're best friends, and you don't know where I'm from.
0: Oh, no, no. Here's what it was. Uh, you. So <laughs> he moved to Wisconsin, or Brookfield, specifically, where we went to Hillside Elementary, and then the thing was, is that you, the thing that uh, I didn't like him at first, because as soon as he moved... And we started going to my grade school. We had our science fair. And you pawned off some bullshit zebra muscle experiment, right? This is correct? That is correct. And then was there like a nationals? And then that was in D.C.? There was. okay. So big science nerd. So fuck you. There was some element of D.C. there. Uh, Or is it just from a different part of Wisconsin? Milwaukee. Like Milwaukee, Milwaukee? Milwaukee, Milwaukee. With the Canadians? So
1: I lived on like, uh, yeah, (laughs) Uh, like close to Good Hope and... Uh, Mill Road. So, yeah, lived in Milwaukee uh, uh, and went to, got bussed out to Menominee Falls to go to Catholic
0: school mm. for grade school. And you're, show. and you're a devout Catholic now? Yeah. <laughs> same, um, same. Yeah, so today is uh, the 30th of January, 2021. And yesterday, in a suburb of Milwaukee, it was zero degrees. And today in Austin, Texas, it would hit a high of 80. And we went uh, disc golfing. Jimmy made some new friends and it was wonderful. And I constantly ask myself and ask you and hope you ask yourself why you continue to live in a place like Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's, um, I feel like I've never gotten a real definitive answer from you other than it's where I currently live. I feel like a, you're kind of uh, the rut guy. Like you get into like a comfortable rut. Doesn't mean you necessarily like it, but you're good at like getting into something long term. And then just like doing that. Well, I have
1: certain skills and getting into ruts is one of them. <laughs> I pride myself on that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I feel that uh, it, is, it is a challenge for me to just pick up everything that's familiar and move. Right. So uh, it's not that I don't desire this because I do, but it's uh, uncomfortable and uh, but might have to just pull the bandit off and as we talked before like i'm not the type of person who could just move to a city by myself and just start over 100% fresh and go to the bar by myself and right. start picking up conversations like that's that's just not me
0: which austin would not be that
1: i understand that that has been made well well aware to me today i just feel so,
0: like you're, oh today yeah today mostly today <laughs> for the record i have lived in austin for 5 years and when i moved down here i had A friend moved down with me very temporarily. She was here for like four months and then went back to Wisconsin. But from I was essentially in the exact scenario that you were describing. Sure. And I feel like I've done a lot of the legwork. And you can just ride my coattails. And we can continue the life that we should have had in our 20s but didn't get to just for a variety of life shitting on us reasons. And we can live our best life in our 30s. In this wonderful place. And Yeah, the amount of uh, Eiffel
1: Towering that could happen sub- while we're here. So substantial. I mean, our hands are going to get chapped from I slapping. Could,
0: I could see myself getting, I mean, not immediately, but I would eventually get comfortable with direct eye contact during the Eiffel Tower uh, between you and me. And oh,
1: then- I thought that was a prerequisite if you were going to engage in such an act that you have to lock
0: eyes. I mean, you is- do. I'm not, I'm just saying I wouldn't be comfortable with it. I oh. just, I would do it. Like, yeah. I don't like going to the gym, but I do it. You know, there's things that you got to do, you know, live your best life. What is, uh, what do
1: you think is the appropriate small talk in a two male one girl threesome and well, not just small talk, but also dirty talk. Like can yeah. there be dirty talk in that scenario?
0: I guess I'm trying to think of like, what is group dirty talk? Like, yeah, you like that hole back there, Jimmy? Yeah, because this hole up front's real nice.
1: Ugh, there's someone there's someone buzzing in that wants to get <laughs> in this hole.
0: Uh, yeah, I, um, I don't know. I think even, so I'm a, uh, I'm not going to say a connoisseur, but a frequent um, consumer of adult materials. I enjoy porn. And in a lot of three-way scenarios, and it could be just the type of porn that I watch, but the guy's are usually pretty quiet. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe not silence, but just like a lot of like, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, you like, you know, kind of under the breath, not Mm -hmm. even like full sentences, like, yeah, yeah, fuck. (laughs) But like kind of narrating the scenario, I think would be uncomfortable for everyone.
1: I would think so. But like, there's gotta be some girls who are like truly into that.
0: True. Yeah. I, but I would also need to be into it. Otherwise I'm out of it. And then. So I have not, I have never had a threesome. It's, it's at the top of my sexual bucket list. And I tend to, if not overanalyze, you know, just thoroughly analyze, which is probably excessive, but I've definitely thought about like all the different ways that it can be uh, uncomfortable. Like I like the, the general idea of a threesome and just if I'm being completely honest, the idea of a female, female, male. Well, we should clarify this is changing topics (laughs) ideal um i have a really hard time imagining so there was one time in college where i had a uh, it was my opportunity to turn down and it was um uh, i had gone out uh with my roommate and my roommate was a bartender at the time and he uh had a few different ladies that he was like on the regular hooking up with and i didn't really know them and they were like in the service industry and i was going to school and doing my own thing and so we go out and um, we had a fun night. I didn't get any sort of like flirt vibes my sure. way. I just thought I was like, hey, well, you know, we're in a group and we're having fun or whatever. And then at the end of the night, uh, Rumi and I uh, come back to our place and she came with. Also, did, I wasn't, my mind wasn't like, oh yeah, once you step through that threshold, <laughs> fair game. Uh, and um, we, I have this, I had this like L-shaped, uh, a forest green leather couch which you have sat on yeah it's gone now but a lot of memories there um and we were just like watching a movie and pretty like unceremoniously she just pulled his dick out of his pants and started going right down him you. right in front of me i was i mean literally like uh, pretty similar to the distance that we're sitting apart right now and uh my roommate in no way shape or form was resistant to it and no words were said about this while this was happening. Like there was a movie playing and it's just the three of us at our place. So she is going down on him very frequently, like looking at me and maybe a suggestive look, but again, no words, no motions or whatever. And you didn't uh, give her the thumbs up or, or the like gladiator, like <laughs> the side. Thumb and <laughs> like a, are you not entertaining? <laughs> <Deeper>. <laughs> Um, And yeah, that, that is absolutely a scenario in which, Oh my god! That um, could have gone. I I do believe that I, I I know I understand how being overtly direct can sometimes like kill the moment. Like sure. I didn't expect her to be like, you should come fill these holes. But also, I was not comfortable. She's a fucking stranger. I couldn't even tell your name right now. Um, and also, like you know, it was it was like the common sense combined with like uh some like important realities of like i would never assume in any kind of scenario like well i maybe i can hop in there and start fucking um but she had no you know maybe she's just like a voyeur there's certain people who like the idea of like fucking or something in front of other people and i get that i guess like i I even i i could have been like looking for some help need an extra pair of hands or whatever and it was, was
1: gonna say it's like what what do you think is the what is the intro that you would you know hindsight being 2020 if you wanted to engage what is the not dirty. Well,
0: hindsight being 20 20 I'm
1: glad I didn't engage. I get that. But if you wanted to like what in that scenario, how does one break that ice to get into that?
0: Honestly, I think it would just, I mean, having, switch? having read the room, I feel like I totally could have just started. I feel like, I, like, well, first of all, I do feel like I would have, if I just relocated like two seats over and, and started like touching her, I would have figured out real quick whether or not it was cool. Okay.
1: Yes. With that. But then also there's there's twofold to that. I mean, it is the engagement into her, but then we're not addressing your roommate. And if he wants, he seemed a
0: thousand percent cool with it. I I mean, I know you also know him. I, I know who he, we're talking about. This definitely would have been like he, and he and I have talked about it after the fact it was bizarrely quiet in that moment for a guy who it's pretty difficult to get him to shut the fuck up. He sure. was pretty quiet in that moment. But like, um, he, uh, everything it was just facial i'm just going off of facial expressions here and they had they actually obviously had an established sexual connection and uh i, I don't know just small detail um so yeah i don't know i mean i, I it, he seemed totally into, if he wasn't into it he would have just been like let's go to my room and what ended up happening is that i ended up i i, I don't even want to say enjoy because it, it was just awkward she was very attractive, and I let, my mind was racing. Like, what do I do here? And then I ended up just excusing myself. And, oh, I was going to say, did you stay and wait till the end? Like, I want to <laughs> – guys, I'm watching this movie.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> or, or how weird uh, – it would have been way weirder if it was, like, wait for him to, like, get off, and then I, like, raise my hand. Like, it's <laughs> this, this, like, a take turns type thing? So, I, you know, I had no – and this was fucking 15 years ago. So – even now, as a much more sexually experienced person and you know in many ways matured person, that would still be something where I'd be like, my mind would be erasing like how do I broach not even broach the subject clearly the subject has been brought up clearly clearly she was this is at the very least this is a performance thing that she got off on the idea of doing this in front of me
1: obviously uh how would if you engaged with that situation, how would that have changed your relationship
0: with said roommate? That is why in hindsight, I'm glad I didn't. Um, I just don't, it wouldn't have been worth it regardless. Like if I think he's a very emotional guy, we've had other like female related scenarios not go well before. We're like, we both jealousy met. A, yeah. Jealousy essentially. And we're like, we both meet a girl at the same time and it, and she, you know, and it ends up working out in my favor. I never even really saw us as being competitive with each other, but just, I don't know. Certain people have certain tastes. We were not similar people, like looks wise or what. We were like drastically different people. So, if someone was ever into him more than me, I would I would get it because I'd be like, well, then that's what you're into. It'd be weird for me to like convince someone otherwise. I'm not like a logical alternative to someone who personality wise, dimension wise, uh, you know, flirt style wise, like across the board, we're different people. So, I think jealousy is a very toxic thing. I just have this memory right now. There was, so there was this one girl, Tiffany, that we similar things. So like when I was in, uh, fear of water, like the actual mm. band with five people and playing shows, uh, my brother brought one of his like rave era druggy friends to Milwaukee. And her name was Tiffany. And she's just like checked all the boxes of like super cute alternative chick who probably hates her dad and has like just enough of a drug problem that it's fun. And I don't really have to see a lot of the problems. And my roommate, expressed interest but like she had already made it like it was like after i'd performed and she came up to me and was just straight up like i hope you come back to like your brother's house with me tonight and i was like okay my roommate at a certain point expressed to me like oh man you know this chick is fantastic i was saying it's worth noting and you know this that anything with a vagina my roommate was like "Mm, i'm really into her yes unless she was just flat out like horrific this dude was like i want to fuck everything so i'm all i'm all about bro code but in a scenario where literally a guy is like i if if someone wants to fuck me i want to fuck them and even if i don't know if they want to fuck me if they're even remotely attractive literally this could apply to anyone so we were living together after the show and then the next day so we tiffany and i hooked up that night and then the next day he came home from work and he walked into the living room and Tiffany, no, nothing was happening we we're just like sitting on the couch together watching a movie. And he literally just looked at me and took his car keys and fucking threw them against the wall <laughs> super hard and then went into his bedroom and slammed the door. I was like, <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot it's of lose-lose. Lose. So so with that, I mean, this is someone he didn't even like sure.
1: had no connection so to. that's one-eighth
0: of what? Oh, dude, yeah. So in this scenario, I just, if anything, if for some reason she like came while I was inside of her as opposed to him, I could see any number of factors. Oh yeah. Maybe too much prolonged eye contact with me or whatever. I'd, looking back, it's good. That
1: Particularly I, with him. Like, but yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. it's, I had no desire to.
1: So on the jealousy front, what is your thoughts about
0: being a swinger? Could you do that? Swinger specifically being like, like in a couple swap yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. So these are known people. Uh,
1: well, so like in this instance, like you're bringing your lady and these other people, you don't necessarily know these other people.
0: I kind of feel, and I could be totally wrong, but I kind of feel like when I hear swingers, my, my, this wouldn't necessarily be something at like a bar where you like meet another couple. And you're like, Hey, your wife's hot. And my, you know, I'm talking like,
1: like by the book swinger party, like there's a, group orgy
0: of 10 people. And they are just basically, I just feel like it's fair game. I feel like your familiarity with the other people is a big factor. There's an element for me. So I've never had a true hundred percent one night stand where it's like, it's bar time. You and I left at the same time. I fuck you. I never see you again. Sure. Part of that is because that is not appealing to me. Okay. Uh it's a and we were talking about this before, um, not on the podcast, but like we were just talking about prostitutes in general. And I was saying that in a big thing that I like about chemistry and the pursuit and you know, the victory or whatever, like achieving like you want someone and then you get them is is the like feeling wanted. Sure. You don't get that from a hooker. Like they're paid to fuck you or or do whatever you want them to do. And I would be perpetually cognizant of that and that just wouldn't do it for me so there's part of me that like if in a, in like a swinger scenario and this is just let's just assume that the person that i'm with is totally on board with this sure so with the swap it would need to be the right middle ground of like i know the other couple enough to know that i'm cool with it because i'm literally like handing over mm-hmm. in a you know not, not i don't own my significant other one, but like I'm signing off on, I'm cool with this, but I want to know that she's going to be comfortable. She's going to be safe. I know enough about this guy to know that he's not going to become like, that he's going to like take the scenario for what it is, which is supposed to be like, we swap and then we're done. Not like, let me get your phone number or like, you know, there's going to be some sort of attachment there. There needs to be these, like there's rules that I feel like probably don't get discussed.
1: But I think I would assume that in those not professional settings, but like a real swinger party thing like that. It's like, like that's established. Like, yeah, there's like a community, community standards, respect for all of that. Like, uh, I think that me personally, like I could not do that. Like,
0: but, but here's the other element is that, so I could never do this with a girlfriend. Okay. And as you know, uh, ever since my last, like very serious girlfriend in Milwaukee, it's been years since I've like had like, a full on like, this is my girlfriend. We're moving in together. We might get married one day. It's been like eight years in that time period. There's been plenty of scenarios where that has been something. And especially in a place like Austin where it's, it is just a more like sexually liberal and open Mm -hmm. place. And it it also just has like a thriving LGBT community and like alternative lifestyles. And I'm all about that. Um, But I've yet to experience a lot of that stuff. So I'm just thinking that like, so part of my comfort level needs to be with like the, swingies the other sure. people and then part of it is depends on like my level of comfort and like some degree of casualness that i have with my significant other
1: okay yeah I, i've only I I,
0: it's been very it's very rare that i've been in a scenario where i'm like actually jealous of my girlfriend or a significant other and it's awful it's a horrible feeling and i have certainly been on the receiving end of like jealousy where like everything i do is doubted and overanalyzed. Like every single girl I talk to is like, sure. oh, you're trying to hook up with her. And I feel like a lot of time, that's the other person like projecting their shit, their low self-esteem, their insecurities, their guilt for maybe their Something own infidelities. Yeah, sure. And all of it's so toxic and at a certain point, and so like my relationship with Sam, it was this five and a half year fucking Jerry Springer level nightmare <laughs> that it so many times should have ended. She would go out of her way to try and purposely make me jealous. And she just brought me to the point so many times where I was like, I'm not, I don't even know who this person is me. I don't know who I'm being right now. Like you saw me once, like throw my fucking cell phone ag- across the room. That has never been me. And that sure as fuck now is not me. If I ever got even remotely in this realm with a, a significant other, I would probably try to calmly address it with them. And if I felt like, like Cabo kind of thing, like if it wasn't, I'm so fine with just like walking away. That's such a better preference than like, Fighting for something that makes you, first of all, fighting for something that already makes you super unhappy. And then two, if you don't trust someone, don't be with them. It's different if it's like, this is your husband of 20 years and you have kids together and you should like fight to make it work. But like, if you're dating someone and you're like months in and you can't even like trust if they're looking at their cell phone, you immediately start suspecting shit. And it's like, don't then, then stop. Yeah, absolutely. You and I have both have had jealous girlfriends yes. before in long-term relationships, yes. which means like stakes are higher and like, it's not sustainable. I don't know how you come back short of, and I've never gone through like extensive relationship therapy or something like that, but I don't think that you can come back. I don't think so either. And I also
1: looking back, like it seems so apparent like that the writings on the wall. And I think another person looking in can see that, but yeah. like when you're in the moment, you don't necessarily see that day-to-day crazy or whatever's happening and you don't recognize, at least I don't like recognize the jealousy thing. Yep. And yes, I agree that like if you can't have that trust factor, it is never going to work. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yep. Completely agree. Um, how do you feel about, I'm, I don't know that either you or I have been in a scenario where there's been verifiably confirmed infidelity, like admitted to, documented, whatever. And then the attempt to like salvage a relationship from there. Do you think that that's possible on uh, either end? You're cheated on or you are the cheater. And then you're like, yeah, but this relationship's important to me. I want to try to make it work. Do you think that's possible?
1: Yes. I think it is possible. I think it would be insanely hard though. I'm not going to say that it couldn't be done. I would like to hope so, but obviously I don't know. It's, okay. It's well, such a
0: shitty- more specifically, do you, knowing that you would be 50% of that equation? Yep. Do you think it's possible for you? If I was the one who... Both both ways. You are the cheater or you are cheated on. Um,
1: I think so. I, th- I think so. <laughs> it, it's such a hard conceptual thing to... Without being in the moment and all the
0: caveats to that. Um, so one of your exes in particular is um, a dumpster fire. And I never liked her. And she has always been a magnet of just awfulness and i i i will never be able in the same way that i will never be able to show you the uh trump p tapes i am uh supremely confident that she cheated on you and that she cheated on you during some pretty awful times in which you should never cheat on someone and um if if i was somehow able to like show you the tapes sure i just knowing you and somehow you get in these ruts if you were on like year five, year six, year seven with this person, I feel like you guys may have recovered. It's not the right word, but proceeded. I could have, I could see you just being upset about it. And then maybe you talk about it. I don't think, but I don't think you would have been able to like actually heal that wound and then proceed. And let me caveat that by saying, I don't think I could do this either, although I would handle it differently than you. I would be holding this hot coal of like, oh my God, I fucking hate you. Every time we're not talking about it, I'm thinking about it constantly. And I would just be so full of rage. Um, Again, in a scenario where you're married and you have kids and you're like fighting for something specifically because of all the history that you have, I get that. But in any other scenario other than that, just for me personally, Yeah, I I don't think I could
1: do it. I agree. And then the person that you're talking about, I think if that was uh, proven Mm -hmm. that, no, I would have.
0: Gary. Gary is the person I'm talking about. Great rack, though. Gary had a great great rack. Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, Gary, we'll just continue with Gary. Gary did some world-class awful shit. And again, I, like I said, 20 minutes ago, I was in a relationship that's, that those her and her family were literally worthy of like Springer episodes where mm. like if when I summarize individual stories, that could be a 20 minute episode of Springer sure. and it happened to me so much. And it was so daily that I got numb to it. Like example is that when I finally left this ex of mine and the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back is that she accused me not to me she told other friends including you that i beat her mm-hmm. after the drinking olympics which is yep. a, just a wonderful thing that should be in everyone's life and uh, when i found out about that um, uh, we'll just suffice it to say that that uh, you know I, i've had a i had an abusive childhood and uh, my mother means the world to me. And I would never in any scenario short of being physically attacked. And I felt like the need to defend myself, I would mm-hmm. never raise a hand to a woman. And she, after being with this, my now ex for five and a half years, she knew everything about my past. She knew how I felt about it. She knew what triggered me in that level. So that was the worst, honestly, the worst possible thing she could have done. That was her sure. swinging for the fences to fuck with me in the worst way. And then I remember coming home, that next day I actually slept at your mom's house that night and yep. you were at my apartment and she had told everyone, oh, Dave's not here because he he beat me and then he left and I just needed to get the fuck away from her. I came back that next day at like 7.30 in the morning, went in the bedroom, didn't touch her. I just said I very quietly, but intensely I was like, wake the fuck up, get up, come on to the living room, which is where you and my old roommate and another friend was staying. And I was like, well, I just want to all get on the same page. Last night, did you tell them that I hit you? And she immediately started like, well, you were so angry. Was like, no, 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 no. Did you tell them? that I hit you. And she just kept being like, well, yeah, but you slammed the door really hard. You like, no, no. Like, did you fucking tell him that? And she said, yes. And I was like, we're done. And there were many other times that we should have been done, but that was, it couldn't, it could not have sure. got short of her, like punching my mom or something in the, in the realm of reality. That is, was as bad as it possibly could have gotten. And, um, we, we just, there was no way to recover from that. I'm not sure why I brought that up in the first. Place. Oh, I'm just saying, uh, you're so Gary, your ex, <laughs> um I did, she didn't do that level shit, but there were just so many things that I, I felt she had the ability to ruin ev- any night, any vacation, any whatever. She was a terrible drinker. Yep. And it was, I, I, it's, I struggle to think of a time when she was like a fun party girl. She was always so dramatic. Oh, her self-esteem was so low other. You're a very nice guy, but for whatever reason, she was always attracted to the biggest fucking piles of shit that treated her like shit physically, emotionally, whatever. And then you were like a refreshing you know, breath of fresh air. So she felt the need to like, I don't floor it and make things worse. I don't know, but she's a bag of problems. And I, I, in a way I feel for her, but context is different than excuses. And I just got to a point where I was like, you're, I can't have you in my life. I'm sorry. So, um, but I think we've both experienced in our own way that that is definitely a comfortable, uncomfortable rut, but a rut nevertheless, where you're just like, we're both in this and especially with like you guys, like you had dogs together, you live together, sure. all this stuff. So like I, I have vowed to myself that I will never repeat that again, even if that means like abruptly and abrasively ending something, maybe preemptively, but I will never get to that point where I'm so behind enemy lines that I can't even justify ending something that absolutely fucking should be ended.
1: Yes. And that also brings up the topic of, in those scenarios that you don't necessarily see all that right in front of your face and having a friend who is able to speak bluntly to you about like, do you not fucking see what's happening yes. right now? And many
0: times I said to you, I will come to your place and put her shit into boxes and she can come home and it will be sitting out there and we can call her parents or what, like I wanted to do everything I could to be like, slap you in the face sure. and like, you knew that you were unhappy but you'd basically gotten to a point of justifying it for whatever reason. Again, I'm guilty of the same thing in my own way, but just like you do need that external perspective. And I feel like that's how so many people are in these like awful marriages. Cause it's just like, well, we're married. So gotta stay married. I don't know. Like that's just, we also have another
1: mutual friend who was engaged and everyone could not stand the person he was engaged to. And
0: I mean, it was everything the way, that she was independently the way that she treated him in yep. front and who just, God knows how in private, but certainly in front of
1: all of us. Sure. That's all we
0: knew. Yes. And him not, I don't think, I don't feel like he changed, but like he wasn't comfortable being his true self around her. It was so clear that just across the board, like this was not a good, healthy thing. They shouldn't be together. And I'm collectively proud of us as a group of friends for saying,
1: yeah, but we didn't say anything. Yeah, We that's, did. No, that's the thing. That's what I'm, that is the point of this is that we didn't say anything about it and it broke off on its own fruition. And I was personally like thrilled, but then also realized like, man, if I let him go through with that, I was supposed to be in the wedding. I didn't say anything to him about it.
0: I never I, 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 wholeheart- I think you, I know you are closer to him than I am. I know for a fact I said something about, addressing the top to bottom, I I didn't really go hard on like, she's a bitch, fuck her. But I was like, it's so clear to me that you aren't happy, that you guys aren't like happy together. This doesn't seem like something you would want to do for your whole life. And this is someone who I don't, I never knew him to have a girlfriend in high school. Sure. I knew him to date. I think he dated one girl during college. And this was a relationship that kind of solidified at the end of college. And then it led to getting engaged and he was just never happy. And he's a generally very happy dude. Like, and it was just so clear. In that scenario, if it, if that would have just been like okay, duly noted, and then he got married anyway, it wouldn't surprise me because we're not like super close. Well, my point is, I would, I didn't
1: say anything in that scenario, and I was supposed to be in the wedding, and it broke up without me or, as far as I know, anyone saying anything, even though everyone was thinking the same thing that we we're thinking. And looking back on that, like I have personally made a vow. I was it was chicken shit to say it because like if you say to somebody, Yeah, your fiance sucks ass, like this is somebody that is one of my best friends that I grew up with. Like you can't recover from that if they don't agree with if they don't change their mind. You can't recover from that. Yep. For the rest of your life you were gonna deal with the fact that he's marrying this piece of shit. Yep. And you have put it out on the table. Yep. Like that is it it still makes me uncomfortable. But after that scenario that I didn't say anything, I feel like I have, you know, vowed to myself that if I truly feel that I have to say it like, and I didn't. And it was a chicken shit deal on my part. And I pissed at myself. It all ended. Okay.
0: Yeah. Oh, and and his new, like he's, yeah, he's probably one of the happiest married people that I know at this point. His wife is fucking awesome. And they're having a kid soon. And like, yeah, so that's all great. I think, I'm sorry, I just need to pull the I'm a good friend card. In both of your very long-term relationships, I have very clearly, very directly, no sugarcoating, told you exactly how I feel about those relationships. And the first one, Gary didn't deserve a chance. She just sure. didn't. Uh, the next Gary too, um, I did give her a chance. And then I told you things like um, something that we that I pointed out to you is, and I, I said both things simultaneously. One is that I could tell that she loves you Mm -hmm. and that she really cared about you and and that your opinion of her meant the world to her and all these things. It was very you focused, but then externally, like the first thing I noticed is that she treated service industry, people like shit. That is a huge red flag to me. And those things can coexist. Someone can like love you and, and have the best intentions with you and then like be shitty to other people. And then I can witness both of those things happening. And it really bothered me. And then the more time I spent with her, the more um, her, her drinking problems started to become really clear. And uh, yeah, throughout the multiple years that you were together, I was very clear about how I felt about that. And I, do, I think that that is at a certain level of friendship, you are obligated to, even if it's an uncomfortable conversation, even if you think it's something that's going to cause a fight, you owe it to, if you care enough about this person, I think you owe it to them to say, and that could also be an opportunity. I could have been wrong and you could have shared things with me about her. Sure. That like, I didn't know, or I could have, uh, I don't know. I could, because I, a lot of the t- experiences that I had with her was in a social setting or a party setting or whatever. And some people suck in that setting. And maybe if I knew her in like an academic setting, or I know that, you know, she was in the healthcare field, I'm sure she was great at her job, whatever. I know that there are sites where I didn't see, but I knew that the sides that I did see sucked. And back to our mutual friend example, I was waiting. I was waiting, even though I told you how I felt, I was waiting for, cause you guys went on trips together. And I was like, yeah. one of these times he's going to come back and there's going to be a fucking photo of him proposing under a waterfall because I felt like you were just getting to the point of like clocks ticking. She wants to have a kid. Uh, we're approaching 30 or whatever. And honestly, I'd been, I'd been running this drill in my head. Like what? Okay. So I've already been like way upfront about this and I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm more upfront with you than anyone else in your life. So if that didn't register enough to the point that you got engaged, like, what do I need to oh, do? Sure. I could, I could not have just stood by him like, Hey man, but your fucking choice deal with it. I would have, I, slash, I don't know what I would my have my t- tires on the way to I don't know, the courthouse. Dude. dude, when my, uh, my dad who I've hinted at this before, but he's a piece of shit. And, uh, he left his first wife and mother of his firstborn child to be with my mom mm-hmm. And uh, surprisingly, my family didn't love that. And my family, his family, his two siblings and their collective eight kids and then his parents. And when my dad got married to my mom, um, my grandparents, his parents took my aunt. So like, so my dad is the youngest of three kids. My grandparents took the car keys of my aunt and uncle on the day of the wedding and hid them. (laughs) So, so not only they couldn't go to the wedding, but my aunt and uncle also, or my uh, grandparents. This is the wedding of your dad and your mom. And my dad and my mom, but that
1: they did not go uh, to that wedding. That's passive aggressive as
0: fuck. Yeah. I think they were also pretty aggressive aggressive. Like, they were the kind of, of they were like confident racists. I think a lot of, especially in modern age, uh, racists in this country would never identify as racist. Like, I'm not racist. I just hate people who leech on the system, or like, I sure. don't like violent people who tend to be brown, you know, like whatever, like most racist people, unless it's part of their identity, like KKK, don't identify that. Or it would even say, Oh no, I hate racism. I just tend to, and then they describe who they don't like. And like, you're talking about people who are different colors than you. My grandparents who on my dad's side, who fortunately I never met because from every account that I've heard from my aunt, uncle, from my own dad, from my uh, cousins who are all at least 10 years older than me, all were just like, yeah, they were the worst. Like they were just, they were so confident in like literally if, if they saw a black person in their neighborhood, they would have no problem like going out on the porch and be like, get your fucking coon ass out. Like they'd yell it, broad daylight, whatever. Because they also felt like that was counteracted by their um, Catholicism. I'm such a good Catholic that I'm cool with being resolute in my hatred. It's wild. It's, it's fucking crazy. That was one. I mean, not, that's two generations ago, but the people that were alive not that long ago. Sure. It's unbelievable, like, the time that we're living in right now, and we think that we are living in the future, right? Whatever, It's the it, today is the most futuristic time we've ever had. I doubt that there's going to be a time where, like, 10 years from now, it's it's reminiscent of the 90s, culturally or whatever. Like, progressively, more and more, shit's going to get more um uh, advanced and future- futuristic but probably also divided and vitriolic and whatever but like people talk about like oh slavery is four hundred years ago like when my mom was born, women couldn't have their name on a mortgage get a credit card, and there was one other thing like get a loan or whatever um yeah credit card mortgage whatever one other thing and um I think we we're talking about this the other oh. that uh no they could vote okay uh black people couldn't vote when my mom was born that's crazy my mom who's still very much so alive uh she was born during a time where it was just con- it just not only con- it wasn't even like societally like federally sure. speaking it was like oh oh you're black yeah you can't vote but you can own a house but only in certain areas it was just it's crazy to me that in the lifetime of the people who created us. Sure if we saw that being existent in a different society right now, which we do in like a lot of like Muslim societies, we look at that as like barbaric. Even people who are like very conservative can still look at, oh, women can't drive a car. That's insane. And it's like, oh dude, that was not, that was America not that long ago.
1: I I can't wait until we are 80 and can look back to see like, what is, what is, what changed from, where we're at now yes. till then, like something that's in front of our eyes that we're not even
0: talking about. I mean, I I, I do think I, so I think LGBT rights is going to be that thing. And then there might be even another thing, but very specifically just the fact that like during our lifetime, it has been federally illegal for two gay people to get married. And this debate, or not even debate, just the, the case being made that by you allowing you being the Supreme court or whatever, fucking, Adam and Steve in San Francisco to get married somehow diminishes the value of marriage for like Diana and Gary in New Hampshire. Sure. Fuck you. No, like I just, and I guess what seems more crazy and I understand how this can also be a claim can be made. Like this is the reason that the states should be split up. That like our country is not only geographically huge, which matters when you're talking about different aspects of culture being like the South is a very different culture than the North. You're like fucking 380 million people. It's hard to maintain some sort of ubiquitous notion of like what normalcy is or decency or what is acceptable across a geographically and societally massive population. So I'm, I'm cognizant and sensitive to the, to the aspects of that that are like, um, I don't expect, uh, people, college students in Portland, Oregon to be the exact same as people in a retirement home in Savannah, Georgia. But there still should be some underlying aspect of just American democracy. Like, all people can vote. All people can experience marriage. All people should obey the law. Like, on both sides. Like, we should all be able to benefit from the things that we can benefit from, and we all have to follow the same rules. And in our parents' lifetime, so much of that was not the case. And in our lifetime, uh, gay marriages became federally legal not that long ago. We're we're right now in the, like... (laughs) the amount of people that are serving life sentences right now for weed and not even like selling, but just like low level possession. And now in so many States, those are billion dollar businesses and those people are still rotting in cells. Right. That's something we're experiencing right now in real time. That's fucking wild that our kids will probably, it'll, there's no way it's not federally legal by the time our kid, I'm saying that, you know, who knows if we'll ever reproduce. See what happens tonight. No one wants, yeah, let's get us some seed inside of some people. Um, and this is going to be something that will be like the core, like 50 years from now, infrastructure and public education will be like solely funded by weed sales. But then we'll look back and be like, this used to be a thing that like people would go to prison for life for. And then when it became something that was turned into businesses, guess what? It's when you look at the people who are sitting in jail for this, and then the people who own the businesses for the exact same thing, not the same demographic. It sucks. Yes. I'm not like Captain woke, but it kind of seems like, <laughs> Oh No, I know for sure that black people by far are incriminated and imprisoned the most for weed possession and, and weed selling. Sure, So it makes sense that they should be given the most benefit of it becoming legalized yeah, it and it being sold. Yeah. But 100%, when you look at the current state of it in 2021, most uh, uh, dispensaries and all the other lower levels of it. Cause some of them are just like flat out open. Anyone can walk in and other sure. place like LA, you need a green card. You need uh be able to say like, this is my doctor prescribed this 95% white owned.
1: Yes. But white owned versus just the fact of it being illegal. Those are two
0: very, different yes. And that's, things, that's, right? that's, that, that's yeah. a very interesting thing about it. And I was like, imagine if that was somehow back to the LGBT thing, like we're or, or just like gay people getting married. Imagine if that was somehow being like, well, white gays, can get married. Imagine that, that issue splitting into like further issues that, you know, I'm not saying it's apples to apples there, but like there are big issues that are unfolding here that if those types of dynamics were being displayed and other big issues, we would be deeply concerned about.
1: What do you think the trajectory of racism in general will be going forward?
0: More, much, much more intense in a much, much smaller population.
1: I think Ooh, the e-racist
0: people are going to become at Parlor. I think is a perfect example of this. Parlor the for those who don't know the, the it's the Facebook of uh the proud boys. It okay. is the it was in very recent times it was um so like Trump was kicked off of Twitter and a lot of that kind of like social media you know silencing I'm using air sure. quotes happened and so Parlor is this very hardcore conservative social media platform that developed in Amazon Amazon has AWS is, is a subservice of Amazon. That is, it's basically huge level web hosting. Some of the biggest websites in the world are hosted through Amazon servers, okay, including parlor. And, um, uh, when everything happened at the, with the capital riots mm-hmm. on January 6th, it was conclusively organized on parlor. It's public. This wasn't yeah. like private chat rooms. You can, there are, you can go look up, Huge chat threads where they talked about, this is when we're getting together. This is the body gear, that the body um, armor that you should bring. Here's good, like, you know, bring leaf blowers to blow away. Honestly, the same shit that probably Antifa conversations are like, here's how you deal with police resistance. Um, Amazon said, it's very clear. Your site is hosted on our servers. It's very clear that you have no policy of... Um, Hate speech type of thing? No, anything. Just a no, no no, moderation. Okay. Nothing's being reported. No, there's no, uh, whatever. no... Free for all. It's total fucking free for all. And you have 24 hours to implement moderation and show us how you're doing it or you're being removed and then obviously that's a huge undertaking, but you should also, if you're any social media platform, you should already have that. The ability for people to report posts for something dangerous, someone's going to kill themselves. It's fucking sure. But they obviously don't care. Like, right, and that's fine. And that's their right to not care. Just as it's Amazon's right to be like, listen, if you don't pl- you're hosting on our fucking servers. Sure. So they said you have 24 hours. They didn't do it. They right, got that, shut down. That's completely fair. Well, <laughs> there's a, yes, I on agree. The but there's, part. but there's millions of people that are like, freedom of speech. This is bullshit, but this is the exact same thing as the bakery, not wanting to make cake for gays. Okay. It's a business. They have their own standards that they hold themselves to. They made a completely reasonable, albeit short turnaround because they should have launched with these fucking standards. But you have 24 hours to prove to us that you're going to implement respectable moderation standards where we can ensure that fucking death threats aren't going to be accepted on your platform and parlor didn't do it. So, They just, they literally disappeared. So back to the original question. So you think that, Oh oh yeah. yeah. So, so something like parlor is going to come back and the people who are racist are going to be like my grandparents where they wear it on their sleeve. They're not embarrassed about it. It's not something that the conversation that they have behind closed doors, they're just flat out like, yeah, dude, blacks are the worst and they belong in places like Detroit. And as long as they keep separate, whatever, but they just wholeheartedly. But other than that, um, so that's going to be a, a smaller group, but heavily concentrated. More yeah, 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 yeah. Way, yep.
1: But then the greater population is going to become less and less racism as, as time passes.
0: Yes. But I recently listened to this really great interview on, um, I'm going to forget what the name is. It, so it's on Sam Harris, but he had a a, a sociologist come on. Okay. And she talked about how there is this almost uniquely American. It happens in other cultures, but there's something uniquely American about it where I wish I could remember what it was. Um, it is this trend where, so they took a poll of people who voted for Obama and then voted for Trump or voted for Obama and then, and then vote straight Republican down ticket. It's this thing where they, they, um, it's like they write a sick note for themselves. Like I am excused from social responsibility because I participated in having the first black president ever elected. And therefore, <laughs> Oh, this is a huge thing. This now is I'm gonna, hu- now I'm going to pull my dick out. Honestly, this is a, this is a massive societal thing in America that if you, you know what virtue signaling is, uh-uh. where it's, it's kind of like you stand up on the soapbox and say it, like in this scenario, like, Oh, I voted for him. I voted for Obama twice. And you, you want people, it's bigger on social than okay. like in person, but like really making it clear that like, um, I support You're the ju- me too movement. Warrior. Yeah. I'm a social justice warrior, but then you don't talk about the other things. It, because if you just focus on, if you jangle the keys over sure. here, like, Hey, look, 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 I voted for Obama. I voted for, I, I how could I be racist? I voted for Obama. <laughs> That's my fucking dad being like, how could I be racist? I employ a black guy, which uh, this is a standard thing. And this, my dad is also the same guy who, and I say this, I'm quoting him. Is when I was in second grade, I vividly remember being in the garage as he's like working on a lawnmower engine and him just casually tr- explaining to me, Dave, there is a difference between and black people. And let me, I'm going to help you navigate those waters. And even at fucking seven years old, mm-hmm. second grade, I remember in real time being like <laughs> you, I'm, I'm, I, everything you're telling me, I knew in real time, like this is wrong. Sure. That You're a piece of shit. Which is, it was just like an instinctual thing. My mom is a good person. So I felt like I was able to like learn from her and then hear from this fucking asshole and, and have it confirmed in real time. Like, Oh yeah. Like you suck. Like you're a bad person, but also he's so resolute. He felt so, this wasn't propaganda. Sure. He literally, this is a guy who grew up on like the South side of Chicago. I'm sure he had awful run-ins with black people. That doesn't make an entire fucking race of people divisible into normal black people and then thugs who should all be in prison. But that's how my fucking dad thinks. So, um, there is this societal thing. My dad sure as fucked did not vote for Obama, but there's plenty of other people who, who through polls or, or, or otherwise have indicated that they voted once, if not twice for Obama and then had no qualms about voting for Trump because they were like, Oh, I they did my part. Like they did. The crit- I did my part. That, yeah. We got racism's over. We got a black president who might be a Muslim. Uh, you know, and it's just, that that's is a, so crazy. That's a big thing. There's not, our country is not totally binary where it's all social justice warriors or KKK members walking down the street with, with swastika flags. There's a lot of gray area and a lot of the gray area is occupied by people who, and this isn't, they don't even view that as like treachery or like, that's a trick. Like, Ooh, I convinced people that I'm good. They, in their hearts feel, feel good about right, the fact yeah. like, Oh, I was involved in a progressive movement. I got Obama elected and, but I still think gays shouldn't be fucking married. Maybe I don't talk about it out loud. And this is part of the reason why exit polling here fucking sucks. This, everything that we saw leading up to the election for this was that it was a Biden blowout. He's ahead by 20% bigger, bigger margins than any election ever in recorded history, poll wise. And then of course, dude, it, no, it was garbage. And there was other uh, factors like COVID and mail in voting or whatever, but we saw similar things when it was Hillary and Trump that, it was it was like so clear. Even the Vegas odds were just like, of course Hillary's going to get voted. It's because these people aren't, they literally lie while being polled. I'm not saying that the polls are lying, but mm. the polls are reporting data that isn't factual. Because these people will happily be like, oh yeah, I'm going to vote. I, I'm telling you that I'm going to vote for the first woman president. But then when you actually look what they did in the booth, they're like, no, I like paying taxes or I don't like gay people or, or whatever, whatever you identify with. But then those people lie about depending on humans for statistical or data accuracy is a bad idea. And that's what we've, I think by with two elections in a row, we have now proven that polls are fucking garbage.
1: Uh, I feel like this is a good segue to talk about the white supremacy rally that we went to. Oh uh, yeah,
0: that is good. I, I actually bring this up pretty frequently with people who, for the most part, aside from people who, like, study abroad or, like, when they grow up, they realize that they're, like, in an ignorant neighborhood and they feel the need to, like, move to the big city or mm-hmm. something like that. Take me with you, gay <laughs> proper Um, Most people become acclimated. Most people pick their religion or not even pick or just sure. become religious or or identify with a political party because of their parents. Sure. It's a totally normal thing. You, That's, that's how fucking survival works. You, you learn how to hunt from the people who made you and things like, and then that extends to societal things. So um, it is very common and something that you get faced with a lot in Austin because Austin is the opposite of what Texas is, but mm-hmm. yet it is the capital of Texas and it's physically in the middle of Texas. So you have these people who like, you know, grow up in LA, Portland, Seattle, fucking Portland, Maine, like these really progressive places who they're surrounded by outside of those cities as re- relatively progressive places. And then they come to Texas and like, wait, these people, like they're carrying signs that say God hates fags. And that guy's got a gun on his back. It's like, yeah, dude, you're in Texas. I get that you're in Austin, but Austin is undeniably in Texas. Sure. So yeah, we can have our little like pillow fort here that we've built that we all like love being weirdos. And we smoke weed in front of cops and they don't really do anything. But at the end of the day, we're in the reddest fucking state. In the the, country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so very frequently I have conversations with these people where this is the first time, especially with like George Floyd and like everything that's the last four years have been fucking insane. So many people that I know here is this is the first time in their entire lives that they have been confronted with like, wait, there's, there's hatred and division in America. It's like, fuck. Yeah, dude. And I get it. I actually prefer the, if I was somehow able to be oblivious of that. That's nice. I like the idea of not having to be consumed with the fact that like when you pay attention, what actually happens across 380 million people that a lot of people hate each other. But like if you live in your, I don't want to say bubble, but like people are getting echo chambers. I've been guilty of it. And like,
1: yeah, I mean, on that note, like before this experience that we're talking about, I feel like we kind of lived in that, that bubble.
0: Well, specifically in, so, so getting to the story, um, there, the, the state fair in Wisconsin happens in Milwaukee it's sizable. Uh, you and I love it from like, it's great. It's awesome people watching. Like sort of going to like a Walmart or something. And like, yeah. It's Walmart on steroids. I fucking rag on white dogs. white trash people. But yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the most hilarious examples of white trash that you can think of. And a lot of these, these are fucking salt of the earth people. And some of them are fucking awful people, whatever. I, also, sure. there's some like refined rich people that are fucking terrible. But both exist. And a lot of them are at fucking the state fair. And there was one year where... Um, what would you say this was like early 2000s 2000 we were in college it was like twenty two thousand five 2005 or something, sure. or something and there was a fight that broke out in the parking lot of the state fair and when you look back at what happened in terms of like who was fighting and people who got hurt it it just on paper it and maybe in reality i don't know we will never really know but it really looked like black people beating up white people would you say that's an accurate way of describing it uh, yeah I don't, we don't know for sure. That wasn't, there wasn't some sort of like group of black Panthers. that was like race war, but like, you know, that's what happened. It was a lot of people.
1: That's the one where the mayor got attacked, right? Like
0: the, the, the mayor of Milwaukee who, who uh, for the record is a piece of shit. Jimmy really doesn't like him. Um, It was white. And I'm just saying this is, this is, where this goes race yes. very much so factors in. And he uh, tried to step in from all accounts, including his own and, but other people that he tried to like stop another fight that was happening. I think someone hit him with a pipe and it like shattered his hand, something like that. I and then, know. but they it was just swing hard enough. That's all I know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, so God, all this story ends with Jimmy being the new grand wizard of the KKK. So, um, so a huge fight broke out in this parking lot and it really did end up with like a lot of white people getting beat up by a lot of black people just in terms of what was reported. So the national, I think it's called the national socialist party, which is headquartered in Detroit, but it really is historically speaking. That is what the KKK became, um, caught wind of this atrocity. And then they organized and they went through the proper channels as the first amendment dictates where you get permits and you, you set a time and date and everything. They set up a rally that was literally called something to the effect of like a rally in defense of the white man. And, we, Jimmy and I knew that this was going to be happening at the city hall. That was very close to the state fair where this happened. And we went and it was a legit white supremacist rally. We had no idea. And this was like early, um, social media days. So like we had no idea. We didn't know like, Oh man, there's going to be this, like the woke army is going to be there. I don't We're even gonna know how we found out about it. Oh, cause it was, I just, it was not, it was not, national. it was state. This whole state was talking about it. like, there was a lot of, okay buzz was me. I mean, first of all, the fight itself, the fact that the mayor was like assaulted pretty sure. brutally, um, was covered. And then like the, uh, national Socialist party made a big deal about like, we're coming and we're going to defend the white man. Um, but again, we, we had no idea what we were walking into just that it was happening. And I'm so glad that we did it because Absolutely. this is, this is Wisconsin. This isn't fucking Jackson, Mississippi or Tallahassee, Florida or whatever. This is like, one of the most northern states um milwaukee has plenty of its own struggles it's it is still the most segregated city in the country but it's still like northern in many many ways that like outright racist you don't see fucking ford f-250s driving down the street with confederate flags. that's not an element that exists in northern culture so um so we go to this really not knowing what we're walking into but i mean just just to be clear very much so of like fuck these people fuck the kkk right we weren't like let's see how this plays out and we didn't have signs or whatever we are like we're showing up because we think that these fucking kkk people are freaks and we want to see what shit show that they conduct
1: exactly right we weren't there to necessarily protest it and not we, that not, we don't that we don't agree with them right. by any stretch of the imagination but like it is almost you don't believe it until you see it. Mm-hmm. Like it's something, you know, you see American history acts you're like, Oh, that's fucking nonsense. Yep. That doesn't happen in real yes. life. Well, it fucking happens in real life. Yep. And until you are, are standing next to it, it, it doesn't register. It doesn't register like it should.
0: Um, so and I also like, we truly, we didn't know anyone else that was going. We had no concept of, as opposed to like what we saw this summer, we didn't think like we were showing up to some sort of like, Black Lives Matter. rally. We literally thought we were we were going to be one of a handful of people or whatever witnessing a white supremacist rally in our hometown or you know neighborhood. Which, which is crazy. Which
1: as far as I know has never happened before. Not,
0: certainly not in our lifetime. If it did
1: not aware of it. Yeah. Like
0: Yeah. It yeah, it did not happen in our lifetime. Uh, you know, during the like civil rights uh movement, it's entirely possible that kind of shit did happen, but like we, our intention was like, let's go watch the horror show. We also fully anticipated that this was going to turn into like violent, violence, violent. So we get there and, um, first of all, like where the KKK had set up was like heavily fortified, like giant chain link fences. Uh, other than like, no, I think up to this point, this was the most, uh, like SWAT force I'd ever seen. These were people in like full body gear, riot shields. Yeah. They had, I mean, they had
1: snipers on the roof. Yeah. And all the KKK guys, uh, at least in the beginning, were behind the chain link fence with megaphones. Yes. Like a podium.
0: This is literally on the steps of the city hall. Uh, But again, they had organized this, they got the permits and everything. And I'm, I'm a proponent of free speech. Well, just all of our amendments, but yes, free speech and fully understand that like part of that protects the things that you don't like. That's part of being in a democracy, but there's a lot of caveats to that. So like, someone in that scenario who has purposely set up an, uh, an event that intends to bring a lot of people together who are getting together for emotional reasons. And then if you have a call for violence, that's not protected, that's inciting. All right. That is what Trump is going to be tried for. Certainly like that is not protected speech. Just like saying bomb on a plane and fire in in a movie theater is those are, that's not protected speech. And there's many other, um, examples of that, but, uh, surprisingly, and, and, um, whatever we we were liked to the fact that we came to, even though with no like huge social organization, whatever we arrived to find that like 8,000 other people had the same idea as us. So there was a massive counter rally happening simultaneously. And it wasn't just, it wasn't a fuck the KKK rally. It was love, not hate rally. And that was encouraging and beautiful. And we saw some crazy shit. Uh, and these are, so there's, you have the like KKK people, Behind their fucking wall of of, uh, riot guard police and chain link fence. And and it's a guy on a megaphone being, you know, at first he's talking about how, you know, blacks are the violent worst part of the country. But I just totally remember him like, and then speaking of which Jews are running the banks and queers are ruining Hollywood and lesbians are getting into power. And all this crazy shit, just like whole checklist of like, while I have your attention, let me tell you why everyone except for straight white guys are the worst. Uh, but then outside of the fence was just like the trailer park got fucking dumped out and, and peppered throughout this area. And we saw dudes in like just whatever, whenever I say like fucking Bubba, whatever comes to mind. 300 pound dude in overalls, bald with a dinner plate sized swastika tattoo fucking on his neck.
1: Giant leather boots. And oh, yeah, fucking... dude.
0: Just like guys who are like proudly, pretty much like at my grandparents, proudly w-
1: racist. W- like, pr- proudly racist. And then also, I have to assume that like they were local to Mm. Milwaukee yes, and which I will go on the record to say, I've never seen a person like that in public before. For sure.
0: If if I'm at fucking pick and save in Tosa in Wisconsin and I'm in the produce aisle and I see Bubba with a dinner plate swastika tattoo, that's not something where I'm just in my head like, wow, I can't believe I saw that. I in that scenario. And again, I'm not captain social justice warrior, but I feel like I hope fucking hope. That we're at a societal point where not only am I okay doing with this, but people around me, I would fucking point shame, they, um, get the fuck out of this grocery store, bro. Sure. Get the fuck out. Dowsaman ranch. Yeah, dude. I would ranch up every hole, everything, and then bird up see, just bird up, dude. Um, so yeah, these dudes seemed local, and it's like, what fucking these guys all crawl out of their holes. Yeah, so so crazy and to they know f- that that yes. like that that's living among you. Like you just and they felt that you could see that they felt that they loved the fact that there was this rally and banner cries. And there was a sense of fucking live for camaraderie. And this is, this is early two thousands. So like when we've been seeing the shit with like Charlottesville and the Jews will not replace us in blood and soil. This is not new, but this is new for many people because it's really hard to have your finger on the pulse of one of the, again, geographically largest countries in the world uh, that has hundreds of millions of people. You can't keep track of everything, but it's important that everyone is realizes that when we are watching all those all gas, no brakes videos Mm. like, Don't don't be surprised. This is America. There's also a lot of like redeeming parts of America, but that does not cancel out. So much. Yeah. So much. So I remember very specifically (laughs) seeing. uh, First of all, it just I we were there for hours, and I every minute I was like, oh, what's happening? What we're witnessing right now is going to turn into this jacked black dude breaking this piece of shit white trash dude's jaw because they were going out of their way. They were begging for violence. It's exactly what they They're wanted. Fucking spitting on people like Yep, going just- up to every single black person with a sign. That's like this fucking jungle It would say it literally say like love, not hate and they'd be like this fucking coon can't even read this sign and just and I I was I felt such hope for humanity in that moment that somehow of all of these 8,000 people who had every reason to fucking hate what was happening in front of them. No one. no fights the whole time. And my favorite thing that I saw, the most aggressive resistance to air the horn. KKK thing was this air horn. Where it was this? <laughs> it was this, like lizzo statured woman who uh, just one of these fucking bubbas would come up to,, you know, the someone that said the love over hate sign. and that you can't even read that sign and they go,, Ooh! and she just fucking silenced. She literally silenced yep. these people. It, it was with so, an air horn so
1: perfect, so beautiful, elegant. like, she didn't, it was didn't need, the perfect response yes, to it.
0: She didn't need to do it right in his face or in his ear, but it was clear to see how disarmed or that was their weapon. short of like physical strength was, which wasn't being used at the time. Like it was their hatred, their ignorance and their numbers. Cause they were excited to be like, Oh yeah, we're all independent, but the brotherhood's real. And now we're all together and we're like rising up the silent majority. When you hear that fucking phrase should not inspire confidence. The silent majority is never a good thing from what I've seen historically. And I think that that is, they have that mentality is like, we haven't had a platform to be able to rise up and like get together and in defense of the white man. But now we do. So to see this woman just fucking air horn and the look of frustration and rage on these guys, because all that was their secret weapon is like, I just, I make you feel less than and hated and get out of our community and you can't read. And I'm going to call you fucking N word, whatever. And with one simple fucking $2 $2 thing that you got at a gas station. She was able to shut that down. And I, I thought it was beautiful. I'm was really glad inspiring. that we went to that. Yes. Um. I remember we, I think we skipped, we had the option to go to a, it was like a raging against the machine show at Alpine Valley, which I, I wish that we went to, but looking back, like oh, that's it, the only white supremacist rally I've ever been to. And I, I'm really glad that I saw that part of America and that I, I was encouraged by the show of force and humanity and calm that not first of all, not only could that have resulted in violence, but if it did, even with the rag gear people, I just think that that would have, their primary focus was stop people from breaching those fences and getting into the city hall. Most of the worst people were outside of the fence. Yeah. They were real ballsy. If they were able to get that first punch thrown, I think the
1: Bubba's would have died in the, but at the same time, like I felt like the Bubba's were – that's what they wanted to have happen.
0: Yeah, but I don't they think just, that they fully embraced the <laughs> idea that, like, okay, so you're ready to become a martyr? Because you're going to get crippled. Sure. They
1: they were very optimistic as far as how it was going to yes. end.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you could
1: tell, like, they were doing everything except for throwing but the first, first punch. punch. But they were dying for it. They oh, wanted yeah. it yeah, so I mean, bad, except dude. they are spitting on people, like, it just – everything to get somebody to, to punch first, which I don't understand why that. Can you imagine going
0: up to someone who looks like Terry Cruz, gigantic, muscular black man. So not only just the physical stature point, but then it's on like Martin Luther King day and you're at like Martin Luther King's uh, memorial site. Just like, so it's, it's someone who is huge and it's an emotionally charged scenario. And you just walk right up to that person and be like, fuck you monkey. Can you No. I, (laughs) <laughs> it boggles the mind, and I'm so proud. There's plenty of things about Wisconsin that I hate, or I'm not proud of, or just suck. But like that was a true proud moment. And I'm just looking around. Oh, and this, <laughs> there was a, quite a few moments that you and I are walking around, and some of these fucks they're talking shit to oh. whatever, and then they look at that. This guy knows what I'm talking about. Exactly. Fuck you, dude. Like it was, and that has happened to me even in Austin or just other parts of Texas where there is this thing where it's like with white men. There is this idea of nod, like the head nod yeah, the acknowledgement. Yeah, yeah. This, this guy knows. This guy fucking knows what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, get the queers. This guy knows what I'm talking about. Fucking fags need to get out. Like, oh my God, I hate that. Um, yeah, but dude, it was very eye-opening. I'm really glad that we did it. And uh, it's that was way before so much of what we've seen in the last four years. But that is all of that is to say nothing that has happened in the last four years has been surprising, just disappointing and scary and sad. This has been a part of America for a long time, uh, but a lot of those people have been unified in a way that they have not been since maybe ever in, in the last four years. It is,
1: I, I don't know the answer to this and I don't know if you would know this, but is this type of diverse racism, a thing in like Europe? Like it, you've traveled over there.
0: Yeah. There's like huge anti-Muslim sentiment in certain countries. And a lot of that is interestingly has to do with um, refugees and immigrants where it's not necessarily like a cultural thing that's built in, but like in very recent times in the last 20 years, there have been huge amount, like Syria has had massive um, exodus exodus because of like literal genocide and civil war and stuff like that. And for, I think a combination of like for culture reasons and then also just like, just straight up like an increase in crime, like other viable reasons. Sure. But in the same way that my dad explaining the difference between and black people, you can't just be like, all Syrians are fucking scheming gypsies and they're going to sex traffic my daughter. But that's what happens. You know, you get a few like news coverage of like, okay, this happened, this cab driver raped, uh, you know, you're in Germany and like a local Stuttgart, uh, resident got raped by the Syrian refugee. And then all of a sudden it's see, that's why we shouldn't have let the fucking Syrians in. That's human nature. You see one example and you fucking apply it to, the largest possible group especially if it's the out group like you're new here we're established that kind of stuff has been flared up recently and then especially in the last six years um uh bolsonaro is one of these people even um uh johnson in the uk but he is especially after getting COVID, he's done like a lot of backstepping of like maybe i shouldn't be like the british trump but a lot of these people have been like pouring gas on it has less to do with what their beliefs are and more about them realizing the beliefs of other people and being like, I can I know how to get these people to like me. I know what their racism is and their insecurities and their hatred. And I know how to get these people riled up. Even if it's not what I actually believe. How many times have we seen with Trump where he's like, lock her up. We need to get Hillary investigated. He didn't do a goddamn thing in four years after getting elected. He was literally just like, I didn't ever really intended on doing it. He had the full extent of the federal government at his disposal and literally did. There was, there was no investigation. He just was just like, he loved the idea of having 20,000 people in fucking Louisiana saying, lock her up at a rally. And then he gets elected. He doesn't give a fuck. So that is happening in a way more siloed way. And it's more like culturally specific. Um, I even saw in like, we were just talking about this downstairs before recording that I spent um, six weeks in Southeast Asia And that was a very specific kind of racism where it's only I'm sure and I'm sure whatever I'm sure like a Laotian person has thoughts on like white people. But for the most part, there is this Southeast Asian specific level of racism that like I'll look it up after we have this conversation. But there is some sort of almost completely mutually agreed upon totem pole slash food chain of Southeast Asian cultures, where everyone like everyone hates the Chinese. I heard about this, uh, and then it's the Japanese, and then it's the Koreans, and then it's uh, the Vietnamese. It but like yeah. they all fucking hate each other, but they hate each other in a pretty specific order. I think for from what I noticed, for the most part, most people hated China in that region, and a lot of it had to do with the fact that China has been the biggest aggressor Makes for four hundred years. Every one of these nations had been uh, invaded or bombed or ruled or whatever by China. So like we had this, uh, tour guide for two weeks in Thailand, Mr. O, and his last name was literally 32 letters that started with. O, and he just knew like, okay, well, so it was, a, we got hooked up through a friend of a friend. He was very nice. He helped us out a lot. He was all about, he was like thrilled to like have the business and like what we paid him, we paid him $50 a day. Plus like he ate with us and stuff like that. But what he was able to like haggle for like our, Hostel and like meals and stuff. I translated for you. It like, translate. Like he paid for himself wholeheartedly and he just helped us. Like he, he honestly helped me a few times, like identify lady boys. Who's so, <laughs> uh, dude, some of those are perfect tens. And I would have no, I mean, I would never want to be in the scenario where like, I literally get to the point of like, I'm about to have sex with someone. I'm like, Oh wait, you have a dick. But like some of them are so gorgeous that it absolutely would have gone that way if he didn't pull me aside and go, Hey Dave, uh, I guarantee you that there's a dick there. So, so he was all about us and we had a great time together. And even at the end of our time together, we, uh, me and my buddy split a ticket. So he lived in, um, um, Chiang Mai, which is Northern, uh, Thailand and all of his family, his children, his wife and his grand and his parents all lived in Bangkok, which is the biggest city in Thailand. And he had not seen them in 10 years. And it, it, him and I bought him a $200 round trip ticket and he started crying when we gave it to him. We also got him a hooker. Uh, he was also pretty excited Not about that. Uh, and, um, it, he, he, he was sobbing. He was so thankful. And, um, but anyway, so we had like all these positive experiences with him, but like just at every opportunity he got, we'd be like, so he, he drove a tuck tuck, which is this kind of like large three wheeler that it's like a motorized rickshaw. Sure. Or, like, He's kind. Of, it's a, kind of like a motorcycle that has like sure. a two-wheeled okay. thing yeah, behind yeah. it that you're pulling, and it, we would hit any traffic and be like, Goddamn Chinese! This would never, never." There's no traffic in Thailand ever. And then, goddamn Chinese come here, or we're hanging out like in a national park. Did you see this goddamn pigeon? No pigeon before China come here. Or, now the goddamn sky rats come here and they eat our garbage. Every problem that we faced, he somehow assigned this to China. Very cultural thing. I feel like the racism that exists here is not, I mean, it is cultural in the sense that there's like American racism, but it's not the same. It's not like black people invaded America. You know, like the, the racism is deeply, deeply rooted in Southeast Asia for historical, for societal, for like different countries that border each other because of war, things like that, like not justifying it, but like contextually makes way more sense than just like, dude, it's pretty hard to argue that like a lot of resentment is against black people because they were property, for when you look at the history of our country, black people were property for longer than they have not been property. That's a fact. And there is resentment against the fact that people who once, not even people, just living things that used to be a property are now considered human beings and have the right to own property and vote and get married. There is, when you look back down the lineage and family lines that used to be on the top of the fucking world because of their cotton plantations and now these are blue collar workers, there is resentment there. That they don't deserve it, and that me and my grandpappy and and all the way back, we worked really hard to build this up, and we were just playing by the rules, and it was legal to have slaves. I'm not the fucking bad guy. I was just doing what was. And then the fucking Northerners took it away from us, and that's very different than China has invaded my country for the last four hundred years, and now I just in general hate anyone who's Chinese. But
1: also insanely interesting that uh, it's the same. It's the same level of hate. Yep, and ignorance. In ignorance, but but completely different reasons. So what about like Canada? Like, I don't know if what racism is like there, like there's no way it doesn't exist, but, but they are probably the best example of a melting pot than us. Like,
0: well, so that's actually an interesting example. I can't speak to Canadian. As far as
1: I know, slavery was never a thing there, right?
0: I don't know that for sure. I'd
1: be super interested to know. I have, I have no reason
0: to believe that it wasn't a thing.
1: I don't know of any like historical like event. I know. Of, like, I like breaking of slavery. in Canada. I know not that we know anything about Canada because we're fucking Americans. Right. Fuck them. It's cold up there. Suck ass.
0: But no, but like, but think about that. What would, I, I just don't, this is super interesting. I would love to look it up. I'm going to look it up right now. I'm going to, uh, did was, did racism exist in Canada or not? Jesus. Of course, racism the slavery. Did, was there but, slavery? Like, we, we have, we have both
1: Canada. individually been to,
0: Canada, Makes and sense.
1: it is a it is a much bigger melting pot than the U.S. is.
0: The historian Marcel Trudel cataloged the existence of Fucking about French about forty two hundred <laughs> slaves in Canada between sixteen seventy one to eighteen thirty four. That's nothing for two hundred years, the year slavery was abolished in the British Empire. About two thirds of these native, and one third were black. So one third, I mean, slavery is slavery, well, but sorry, it was abolished one the eighteen thirty four. Civil War is pretty close to that. Interesting. Um, the use of slaves varied a great deal throughout the course of this period. And so that's, so 4,200 over, so 1671 to 1834, that's about 150 years, right? 4,200. How many slaves were in America? What do You, you want to guess the number? A million? I'm going to say 200,000. I, I don't feel confident about that answer, but let's just... Uh, Though it is impossible to give accurate figures, some historians have estimated that six to seven million enslaved people were imported Holy to the New Fuck. World during the 18th century alone, depriving the African continent of some of its healthiest and ablest men and women.
1: And that's that's not to say who was then born into it. Oh yeah, yep, yeah, yes. So exactly. you take
0: that and you multiply that. You know I mean? Yes, they okay. They were, they were fucking. So for all intents and purposes, well, and yeah, they're also fucking their slave masters. Yeah, yeah. Um, for all intents and purposes. 10 million Uh, uh, comparatively slavery did not, was not a cultural factor in Canada during the same time period that it was when you, I mean those two numbers 4,200 people over 150 years compared to 7 million over a similar time period is wild. So I don't think that that plays a cultural role just looking at the numbers in Canada, but many times in our lifetime, um, Quebec has voted to secede from the rest of Canada. French Canadians have a very, uh, distinct, um, culture and identity that they have wanted to be separate from the rest of Canada as Texas if Texas has voted many times to become, to go back to becoming a Republic, which did not go well the first time, which is why we became a state. And, um, yeah, so that's interesting, and I don't know. That's more like ethnocentric you, than like racism. But yeah. Like do you know
1: what? Like, I'm not privy to that information. But what is it? Why does Quebec want to do that? Is it a because because so like the rest ta- of it, taxation thing? Like, no, like it's a, cal- a Brexit it's a, thing. No, like,
0: it's a, it's it's more of a Brexit thing in that it's um, like the British Empire or the whatever the UK feels like. We uh, we love being the UK. Like, we don't want to be lumped in with every other country in Europe, which in the broadest sense I get, because that's not like the US, those are all incredibly different countries and cultures and language and history and whatever, and they they have tried to figure out ways that um, economically they can all coexist, and I'm sure that there's plenty of problems as there is with any sort of large economic system, but I do think within Canada, it's just they have, the French Canadians flock to that place to be with each other, and they just, that's, they want to be that. They don't want to also be like, oh, we're we are the same as the people in you know, Labrador who go fishing for cod. Like, it's just they have a unique culture that they want to fucking. And I feel
1: like they are the exception to the rule for Canada.
0: Yes, but there's still a lot of them. Yes, and and yeah. So this is not some sort of like fringe. It's not a fringe thing. It's still millions of people. It's just outweighed by the tens of millions of people who are not that and are like, this is this would only cause problems if you physically literally divide our country by seceding and then, you know, so it's just been sure. shut down.
1: And I will go on the record, uh, to say that, uh, from personal experience, I know that they fucking hate Americans. Yes. Hate F-
0: specifically French Canadians. Yeah. Yes. The, yeah, I have French also French Canadians. I have also directly experienced that.
1: Yes. The non French Canadians have been my experience, have been super cool. Uh, yeah. but French Canadians fucking hate us.
0: Yeah. So it's, it's, I think it's human nature. Like if it's not, if, They're not in your tribe. You don't like them. There's no reason for you to give the benefit of the doubt for the people who aren't already
1: with you. I I get that. I guess what I was getting at is like, I feel like as time passes, the entire world, not just the US, we are becoming more and more a melting pot. Like there there is going to be so few people who are 100% German or 100% Lithuanian or whatever it is like everybody is fucking everybody which is great so like at some point like we're all mutt like yeah. that is what is happening so like how can you be racist when you are part like whatever you're 10% black whatever yeah. it is like and yeah. it is it's mind blowing to me that you can be that way in a society like that yeah. like i get it i get it when everything you know is starting out and you're all in your individual camps but now everybody's, you know, fucking swiping and fucking and everybody's having kids that are this this combination of all these different races and creeds and whatever. I, I think like.
0: the biggest juxtaposition that I th- a lot of it has to comes down to you can dislike, and when I say can, I just mean nothing stops you, not like you should, but you can dislike an entire, what you perceive to be as a culture or race. Like a lot of people view all Muslims as like some sort of like Unify all Muslims are the same, which is you sh- when you think about that statement, and look at Christians, and you should be able to realize that obviously all Christians aren't the same.
1: All brown people aren't the same. We will uh, go on the record and say all Scientologists are the same. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And they can all get on their fucking boat with David Miscavige and they can sink to the bottom and they'll, Zenu will come save them and that's fine. So, um, but the idea of a, I never, so uh, I, I don't remember seeing a single example of a Bubba. Being like, I'm switching to alternative fuels because the Muslims and the Arabs, even though they give us our gas, that's my personal boycott is I no longer am I going to be using fossil fuels. So like, we as a country are (laughs) almost exclusively dependent upon nations with which we are so fucking different. That
1: that is an extremely interesting observation Yeah. before we go too far is that Baba doesn't realize or can't put the pieces of the puzzle together where these things that he loves comes from. Yep. Particularly that. Like yes. if that was face to face he would spit in that person's face. Yep. But without that that F250 does not get to pull gators out of the yes, swamp.
0: Yes, I wish there was a way they could like eliminate uh, or even if it was just like a whatever all, augmented reality or something that instead of like if I could show you that when Bubba pulls up to the Shreveport gas station, in Louisiana, that there is a dude in like ISIS attire there, like working the gas pump, so like over the top, extreme, sure. hyperbolic, but like in the same way that so we went out last night here in Austin, and I was thinking, I was looking around. We're on West Sixth Street, and it's like the douchiest part. It's all these clubs and stuff, and not only were there a bunch of people without masks, there's people fucking vaping carefree into each other's faces, and I'm like, when I was thinking in a very similar way to what I just said about like, if the guy pumping your gas was actually representative of where it came from, what if there was some way, the equivalent of like food coloring that we could put into our lungs where you could see, I'll start by saying, if you could see COVID, if you could just see your breath, if every breath you took looked like what it did when you're in cold weather and you could all see how we're literally all just fucking spraying each other with our breath. Sure. That's a good point. You would fucking handle this a lot differently it's so out of sight, out of mind is a very human thing. It's an yes. animal fucking thing. Uh, so this idea of like, okay, yeah, you know, I'd, whatever. I'm not like making out with strangers or whatever. and walk by someone on the street and not a concern. But if you actually saw every breath that everyone was taking last night, the, the, the sky would be thick with purple gas if like, you know, that was the food coloring that we could put in our fucking lungs to make every breath visible. If you saw the thing that you choose to ignore, just like you choose to ignore that the gas that you need for your fucking ATV and your truck and your generator or whatever is coming from nations of that are full of people that you hate for whatever variety of reasons, you know, it's easy to just not think about it. I think that there's some parallels there and I think that's a very just American thing. So yeah.
1: So do you think that, so what, what is the, the reasoning behind things becoming more progressive on that front. So you go from slavery to not slavery and then from there to now. So is it a natural progression? Does, does technology have something to do with a cultural shift in this? Or is that just like, is that the momentum that we have since the abolishment of slavery and it's just going to slowly but set it, you know, just keep moving in that direction it's just going to take time or or has there been something else technology wise or or something else that's been invented that has launched this into this direction
0: <laughs>